0: Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Series. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 355. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Inside Science and Technology Series, we are joined today by author, professor, and superhero educator, Dr. J. Brian O'Rourke. Dr. O'Rourke is a superhero educator, professor of economics, a tough subject to teach, known as the dismal science. And like many of you, I took my fair share of economics classes, and had I been offered a class like this, well, let's just say it would not have been the dismal science any longer. You will love our conversation and presentation by Dr. J. Brian O'Rourke, who will change the entire subject of economics when he appears at the Smithsonian Associates, June 6th, 2019. And his presentation is entitled, What Superheroes Know About Economics. Dr. O'Rourke's presentation at the Smithsonian Associates will draw from his excellent new book, Why Superman Doesn't Take Over the World, What Superheroes Can Tell Us About Economics. Ever since Superman flew onto the scene in 1938, superheroes have exhibited feats of incredible strength, fighting prowess, and cunning. So why don't they just take over the world? Our hero, economist Brian O'Rourke, examines a powerful alliance between economics and comics. Although the subjects may seem to be a world apart, he explains why, despite their supernatural powers, superheroes are still beholden to the laws of economics. Dr. Rourke demonstrates how the travails of superheroes can explain the building blocks of economics and how economics explains the mysteries of superhero behavior. Learn how game theory sheds light on the battle between Captain America and Iron Man, why Spider-Man's existential doubts revolve around opportunity costs, and how Wonder Woman's lack of a sidekick is linked to her absolute advantage as a superhero. And Find out how to harness the power of utility curves to help decide who is the greatest superhero of all and how potential harm to civilians in the future could be avoided by eliminating a vicious response to retain order from Joker, Doctor Doom, Purple Men, Kingpins, Mantas, or even Kal-El.
1: Heroes could step over the line in the name of justice in fact they could eviscerate the line and they might be at first congratulated for doing so because the mob wants blood this ersatz justice might result in fewer casualties and property damage than allowing villains to commit crimes go to and break out of prison and repeat ad infinitum it also would be more economical costs of running a trial incarceration and recapturing villains would be minimized and that a potential harm to civilians in the future could be avoided. But heroes are supposed to be immune to mob mentality. How long would it be until some other calamity arose, requiring a vicious response to maintain order? Where does the hero stop acting as an executioner and become a despot? Even if such behavior would end multiple threats from Jokers, Doctor Dooms, Purple Men, Kingpins and Mantas, does it really make the world safer? Would we be better off if superheroes kicked the squabbling political powers that be to the curb and took over the world? To answer that question, we turn to the most super of superheroes, Kal-El, son of Krypton. Superman's original story establishes him as the doer of good deeds, but these actions have an ulterior motive. Nevertheless, this character, who has worldwide recognition, upholds the institutions that make successive economies thrive. That's part of who this character is. Even as comics have evolved over time and writers have come and gone, Superman's roots run deep. He could stop defending truth and justice, but that would fundamentally alter his character. He's a man who works within the system, regardless of what system that is.
0: That, of course, is our guest today, best-selling author Dr. J. Brian O'Rourke, who will change the entire subject of economics when he appears at the Smithsonian Associates June 6th, 2019, His presentation is entitled, What Superheroes Know About Economics. Please join me in welcoming to the Not All Better show via internet phone, Dr. J. Brian O'Rourke. Brian O'Rourke, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, Paul. It's great to be with you.
0: It is great to talk to you. I think this is just a fascinating subject. I think it's also a subject that is so clever on your part to bring these kind of these two sides, I'll call them these two sides together, economics and and superheroes. But tell us, we'll we'll get into this in just a bit, but maybe tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation.
1: Uh, The way I'm sort of envisioning the talk is that it's going to be kind of a crash course in economics. We're going to start off with the basics and then build upon those basics, kind of like we're building up uh, an economics degree here. Uh, Good economics really involves applying what we learn. And one of the ways to do that is to look around and see the way people behave and to to try to get a handle on why people do what they do. So once we learn the basics, we wanna understand where do those basics show up in the real world? And and they show up so many, many places. Um, we see them just in our own day-to-day lives. But if if we really want to understand the economics, then we need to see how those basics apply in some unusual circumstances. And superhero stories are incredibly fertile ground for unusual behavior. The, the behavior isn't as unusual... And bizarre as it might first appear, once we start to put this this kind of uh, layer of economic uh, rationality or this economic uh, thinking over top of it, uh, we can use those um, those real basic tools to uh, to understand some peculiar, what seemingly are peculiar behaviors in in econo- in the in the comics. But if we if we really understand the economics, then those peculiar behaviors become a lot less peculiar. So, that's that's sort of what I want to do at, during the talk is to go through some basic economics so that everybody understands um, how to take those economic tools and apply them to the next level. And. And the
0: the, the superpowers that, that superheroes have still make them very susceptible and, and beholden almost to the laws of economics, right? One
1: of the things economists like to say is that economics is everywhere. And because it is everywhere, we shouldn't be surprised to see it even in… Surprising places like the comics. If if economics is everywhere, then everyone's going to be beholden to it. And superheroes are certainly the stories are fantastical. It's a um, it's a fantasy world to an extent. But if it's too much of a fantasy world, then nothing's going to make sense. Nothing's really going to matter. And and the tension that we as, as as consumers of stories like so much that tension just isn't going to exist. So. Superheroes need to be tethered to something in reality, which means that um, something's going to have to to keep them from being able to have everything that they want and um, and and not have to face any kind of a dilemma. So, what I, as an economist, what I see is that 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 tether, that that line that holds the superheroes to reality, is is economics and the uh, kind of the, the laws of economics. So superheroes have all these powers, and that allows them to overcome a lot of the basic constraints that normal people have. And as the good guys, they use those powers to help some of the non-powered people to deal with problems as well. But again, if the hero can make all of their own problems go away, or if they can make all of your problems go away, then there's not really much of a story. There's, there's not really much interesting going on there sometimes heroes create their own problems and they almost always have to figure out a way to get past some of the limitations that they face and and those those pieces of reality the, the fact that a superhero um, that is so super powered uh, doesn't have anything interesting going on means that the stories are not interesting but the super hero who who faces some limitation even if it's Superman and he has to he's he's limited because of kryptonite right there we have a problem of economics and and that really makes the combination of these two things makes it makes it interesting it makes the stories interesting but it also says hey you've got limits just like everybody else well maybe not just like everybody else they're a little bit different the limitations they face but they still have limits and you, you never sort of the the heroes that don't get a lot of play that don't get a lot of traction are ones are heroes who who have no limitations whatsoever because the stories aren't interesting. They always win. They always get what they want. It's kind of like eh, you know it's pretty boring. Um, one of the things I like to to mention to my students is that there's no superhero called Money Man. You know you would think a Money Man would just have money you know falling out of his pockets all the time. Well, in that case, then you've got someone who's not interesting because they can buy whatever they want. They have uh, they're they're not faced with the same typical problems of of the everyday person and and you know, again that makes it boring. <laughs> well, I will tell you that
0: I think the the subject of your talk coming up here on Thursday, June sixth, uh, is going to be very interesting, not not boring at all. So, tell us how economics explains superhero behavior.
1: Okay, so superheroes are they're. they're it's a morality play for the most part. I mean, it's sort of morality play and soap opera meet, meet cartooning. So there's always something that is kind of driving the storyline. And, and occasionally there's some sort of odd behavior, whether it's the behavior of the hero or or even the villains. You know, I kind of don't want to give the short too much short shrift to the villains in the superhero story because they also face a lot of economic uh, constraints that... They're super powered as well, so so they sort of have those same issues as the superheroes, and and one of the chapters in my book talks about why would you try to be a villain in the world of superheroes, and and I think it you know it provides a really interesting analysis of incentives, but um sort of the, the, these behaviors can be analyzed through this economic lens. For example. Um, if you think about just kind of the, the origin stories of, of superheroes they find out they have these powers which means they can overcome some um, some obstacle that they've been facing in their lives but then they realize that if anybody finds out that they are a hero then that can be that could be a problem you know they don't want the maybe they, they want to have a little bit of privacy they um, they're worried about their family or their their friends uh, being tar- becoming targets and so superheroes put masks on and those masks are like, they're they're trying to hide identities, but from an economic perspective, those masks help uh, help the heroes to minimize costs. There's lots of different costs that a superhero has to face, none of which necessarily are monetary in nature. And I think when, when we talk about economics, um, I think one of the 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 difficulties that people have, one of the things that they don't they kind of get hung up on, is that economics is all about money. And in fact, economics is hardly ever about money um, in the sense of understanding the way people behave. But we still all face these these enormous costs. Usually we refer to them as opportunity costs. And superheroes have, they face opportunity costs in just about every choice that they make. So when when we look at um, why they wear masks, they're they're trying to minimize some of the costs that go beyond the monetary costs. Um, if we think about something like um, asking the question of do heroes do more harm than good? So, anytime you watch a superhero movie, there's always going to be a scene where there's some great battle and and buildings start to fall on top of other people, and so the superheroes are trying to fight the bad guys and save the innocent bystanders, and and there's this question that comes up occasionally in the comics and in the movies and in the movies as well. Whether superheroes are doing more harm than good. In essence, what the su- what the question is from an economic perspective is whether or not superheroes are um, creating negative externalities um, to an extent which are harms that befall other people, people who are not involved necessarily in the fight that's going on. Um, but do those do those harms outweigh the benefits that the heroes um, that the heroes generate? We can look at at um, you know, just this recent uh, couple of movies from Marvel, the uh, the final Avengers movies there. Um, you know, Thanos, I think, creates this really interesting economic di- uh, dynamic where he's talking about how um, the world is running out of resources. So it's, you know, it's sort of a, a we hear the story in the news a, a lot, um, you know, people are overusing the resources, they're depleting these resources. And Thanos' answer to the question is, or Thanos' answer to this problem is, well, if there just weren't as many people, they would not exploit the resources as quickly. So he wipes out um, you know, half of the universe, which seems a little excessive. But the idea of that kind of population control is a very economic one. It goes back to, um, it goes back at least as far as Thomas Malthus. And then we, we see, you know, the book, The Population Time Bomb from the 1970s. Um, talking about how people are exhausting the resources at their disposal, and what are we going to do about it? Thanos's reaction it may be an excessive one, but it certainly is a an interesting approach to this economic problem of how do we deal with the scarcity of resources. So we see a lot of um, you know, just a lot of really interesting uh, dynamics. In the comics that relate economics to those stories and and some of them are at the very most basic economic level and others are at these these really kind of deep theoretical positions i mean I, you know, mentioned thanos and population theory but if you go back into the old wonder woman comics you can see um, just an almost verbatim a, a feminist economic dogma there in those early comics and if you look at something like Black Panther, you see a, a really interesting um, juxtaposition of this African country that is incredibly successful and doesn't fall prey to the resource curse that exists right next to all these other countries that have these incredible uh, problems in terms of their economies and their politics and their and their social development. So there's, there's just lots of levels and lots of layers and Part of that is there's so many characters in the comics that, that there's there's just a whole lot of really great material to, to chew on.
0: <laughs> We're with Brian O'Rourke. Brian O'Rourke is a professor of economics at Robert Morris University in Pittsburgh. Brian O'Rourke will be at the Smithsonian Associates Program Thursday, June 6th. title of his presentation is, What Superheroes Know About Economics. There's going to be a book signing of Brian O'Rourke's new book entitled Superheroes and Economics, Why Superman Doesn't Take Over the World. But uh, Brian O'Rourke, I, I recall my own economics classes long ago, <laughs> and a couple of the economic principles that that jump to mind, these behaviors that you're referring to. The, one is elastic demand, and, and the other is game theory. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about those two and how they relate to superheroes
1: yeah so elasticity is one of those subjects that when i teach at, uh, teach my introductory courses that students just have a terrible time with um part of it i think is because of the math involved we do this these little calculations to figure out how elastic or inelastic a response is. But the notion of elasticity itself is simply, how much do you respond to a change? Typically, we we put this in the context of how much more or less do you buy of something when the price mm-hmm. goes up or down? Mm-hmm. So that's called elasticity of demand. And that's kind of the standard elasticity that that we teach in, in the introductory courses. Um, but you can apply the concept of elasticity to anything when there's a change, what's the reaction to it? So in in the superhero stories, one of the really uh, kind of curious questions is why are there so many poor superheroes? So you've got, you know, we've seen somebody like Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne, and we, we're like, oh man, they have a lot of money and they can they can develop all this new technology and they're running these, you know, super multinational corporations and, and on and on about uh, how rich they are. But there's, there are so many poor superheroes. And one of the problems for superheroes is that monetizing their skills is looked on as like the most vile form of superhero ness. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you've got these people who need to be saved, and you're going to charge them for it. <laughs> and every once in a while, you see that pop up in the comics, and you can just see these sheepish looks on the heroes' faces, like they know what they're doing isn't right. So they they typically abandon those those um, attempts to make money. But the way this re, uh, kind of ties into elasticity is that if you're going to save somebody, um, the demand for the superhero is probably is probably really 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 high. So let's say you've got some alien invasion that's taking place, and a superhero is going to try to save the day, but they want to be paid first. So if they start to negotiate on a payment plan for this, you know, maybe it's New York is being attacked or Washington, D.C., and they say, hey, we need to negotiate a payment plan here before I'm going to save you guys. You um, can probably extract a huge payment because the threat is immediate. So the demand there is incredibly inelastic. It's If you don't pay the superhero, basically you are either going to be killed or become a slave to some alien overlord. <laughs> and, and nobody really wants that. So the demand is incredibly inelastic. But once the threat passes, then it's kind of like, well, maybe I don't really want to pay you. So if you negotiate after the fact, then demand is incredibly elastic. So if the superhero tries to say, well, I just saved you, you owe me this amount of money, then most people will say, well, they're looking around, they see no threat, then demand becomes incredibly elastic. It's it's a The superhero tries to raise the price and all of a sudden nobody's paying anything. So Uh, So elasticity shows up in the, in the comics, which, you know, for my students, it's, it's a much, it's much easier to sell them on, on an understanding of elasticity from the perspective of a superhero than it is to sell them on elasticity from the perspective of just about any business, because most of my, my students haven't run businesses before. So it's, it's a nice kind of way to get my foot in the door. Now, game theory is, um, game theory is more of a, a a way to change the approach that economists use to modeling behavior. So usually what we do is uh, we try to understand people's behavior and and that's a really difficult thing to do. So in building our understanding, building our models of economics, we, we use a whole bunch of assumptions um, assumptions that, that, the actors in the models are fully informed, that they're perfectly rational, that they're always driven by a profit motive. Those assumptions make the modeling a lot easier, but it also limits the effectiveness of the model. Because sometimes people aren't fully, in fact, most times people aren't fully informed. A lot of times people are not acting rationally. And sometimes businesses and individuals are not driven by a purely profit motive. So game theory helps us to get a better understanding of how individuals interact based oftentimes on incentives, we can set up specific scenarios that allow us to to focus in on a particular kind of behavior. So um, we can use game theory to try to understand why businesses advertise, even though it costs them profits, Um, why countries decide to go to war. Uh, There are game theory models that look at why people date and kind of why a lot of, maybe not a lot of times, but why sometimes you go on a date with someone and neither one of you actually want to do what you end up doing um, on the date because you're trying to make the other person, um, you're trying to help the other, you're trying to get to a point where the other person is happiest and you neither one of you end up happy. Um, I mean, you're happy you're together, but you're not happy about what you're going to be doing together. Um, you can look at this uh, to try to understand why your own kids fight or why superheroes fight, which is what I've been using it for now for a few years. Um, we were, My wife and I were watching TV, um, and this was a couple years ago when the Batman versus Superman movie came out. And the the trailer for the movie played, and my wife was just kind of dumbfounded and asked me, you know, why are they fighting? This is Batman and Superman. Aren't they supposed to be the good guys? And I said, yeah, yeah. And I started to try to explain to her in the comics what this was based on. And and I stopped about, you know, two sentences in because I could tell she wasn't interested at that point. <laughs> but as an economist, it occurred to me, this, this is actually really peculiar behavior. Why are they fighting? And as an economist, I maybe there's something i could do to try to explain this from a a more economic perspective as opposed to it's just an interesting storyline and game theory is that tool that helps to explain why these characters and why iron man and captain america fight in marvel civil war and why many of the altercations in comics between the good guys happen
0: I very much enjoyed your book, Superheroes and Economics: Why Superman Doesn't Take Over the World. I I thought it was very readable, and uh, it's getting excellent uh, reviews. It's it's very uh, it's very tongue in cheek. It it there's some um, uh, very clever parts to it, certainly, but there are some very real economic concepts discussed. And the book even offers this very thorough glossary with details and lots of references. So, what? What drove you? What prompted you to teach us uh, about, about economics using superheroes? What, what, what's really
1: led to this? Well, I, I would say the first thing is that, just kind of that trailer where my wife was was just sort of befuddled by this curious behavior. And um, of course you've got Freakonomics that tries to explain some, some of the be- weird behaviors of, of of people in the world. And I thought, you know what? Comics, yeah, sure, they're make-believe, but they have to be based on something. And and again, it's kind of back to the what tethers the comics to the real world, and it's economics. So I want to use that economics to try to explain this behavior in a similar fashion to, to what uh, Freakonomics did. But probably the biggest driver was I walked into class one day. I got there a little bit early, and there were these two students, and they were always there early, so they're sitting there talking about some of the some of the TV shows they had been watching, and one of the shows was um, a show on uh, I think it's on the WB network called the The Green Arrow, or just called The Arrow now. And they were talking about the the previous night's um, events in the show, and I just I, I kind of stopped what I was doing and listened to what they were saying, and I thought, you know what? What they are talking about is very economic in nature, and ma- you know, maybe as a way to try to, um, connect with my students a little bit better. Maybe I got to start watching the show too. So I watched a few episodes and, and the show is really interesting, but the economics of it is what kept me watching through the first three or four seasons. Um, and of course, then there are other TV shows and other movies and, um, and, and just sort of watching the just getting the sort of the entertainment value of those shows is is pretty high at least for someone who likes the comic characters but the storylines are often driven by stuff that comes right out of the comic books and so i, I got back into the comics um, I hadn't been reading comics for years and years and years and and now with this uh, with this economic set of glasses I, I i looked at it from a very different perspective and and, and it's amazing just the just the very clear connections there are between economic basic economics and storylines in the comics so you know i, I would say it, certainly it, this is a, a student kind of generated interest and um and it, it's fantastic how students will come back years later and say hey i remember when we did that we talked about this superhero or some of my other classes will say hey i know you're doing superheroes in in your intro classes, how come you're not doing superheroes in your advanced classes too? So it, it's 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 a it's a subject that that kind of stands the test of time, um, because you can go back to the original Superman back in 1938, and you've got people from kind of the early comic generations. You got people from my generation. You got my students, and that those comic sometimes the comics go out of style but people still know who the characters are. So it's something that, that certainly has longevity as well, which, which I appreciate as someone who um, tries to incorporate pop culture references into my classes. Sometimes the things that I enjoyed, you know, the Seinfeld or, um, or The Simpsons, even though those shows still show up on TV, a lot of my students don't watch them anymore. They don't, they don't understand the, the attachment. And my foreign students don't get the uh, American humor but across cultures and across age groups superheroes are uh, it it is a a golden teaching tool for me <laughs> Well, Brian O'Rourke,
0: uh, congratulations for coming up with such a clever, uh, interesting, fascinating even way to teach us about economics, a subject that we we really all should know an awful lot about. And uh, we'll learn more from you on Thursday, June 6th, when you are at the Smithsonian Associates Program, talking about what superheroes know about economics an evening program. You're going to be there and you're going to sign your book to Superheroes in Economics, Why Superman Doesn't Take Over the World. So this will be a, a great presentation and, and I'm, I'm so grateful for your generous time today.
1: Well, Paul, it's been my pleasure entirely. Thank you so much. Thanks to Dr. J. Brian O'Rourke,
0: who will change the entire subject of economics when he appears at the Smithsonian Associates June 6th, 2019. His presentation is entitled, What Superheroes Know About Economics at the Ripley Center in Washington, D.C. Dr. O'Rourke's presentation at the Smithsonian Associates will draw from his excellent new book, Why Superman Doesn't Take Over the World, What Superheroes Can Tell Us About Economics, which will be available for sale and signing more details available on our website thanks to the smithsonian team for all they do to support the show and thanks to you our wonderful not old better show audience remember talk about better the not old better show thanks everybody